Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia-focused, meaning that we are going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law, but occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right, now to the studio. All right, folks, welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And we are going to continue our episode with the Georgia Department of Corrections. As we introduced earlier, we have our friend Stan Cooper here, who hopefully is not just a sacrificial lamb to come answer questions from judges. <laughs> but um, we, I've worked with Stan a good bit. And let me give me a moment and I'll tell everybody how. Um, occasionally, when you actually send an email to somebody, they actually get it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing crazy. how that happens. So Technology. one day I was a little frustrated with a an issue in my particular circuit where public defenders particularly, but lawyers, when you would have a trial calendar call and try to be in advance of trial, and you would say, what's going on with this case? And the answer would be, they're in the DOC. Well, that's not ready or not ready. That's they're in the DOC. And, and it also it, doesn't help us advance the case a whole lot. At all. And so I said, what does that mean? They said, well, we're going to have to do a CPO to get him back here so I can ask him what he wants to do with his case. And I said, now, wait a minute. We're not going to have the prison system transport your client so that you can talk to him. You can go to the prison and talk to him. And, and privately, one of the lawyers came to me and said, judge, I can do that. But when I do that, that day, I speak to one client instead of, you know, 200 or whatever they need to talk to on any given day. And I began to realize, why don't we just call him? Why don't we have a secure phone? We have it in our local jail. Why don't we have it in the state prison system? Well, you know, there was a bunch of dumbfounded looks. And so I decided to find out who the director of the DOC was because I had to go on the website and find that out. And so I sent an email to the director then was... Um, Greg Dozier, Commissioner Dozier. Yeah, Commissioner Dozier. And who's now even at a better or different position. I don't know if better is the right word. I I would say better is (laughs) not, probably. He's now the, is it the CFO? I mean, is that? He is. He's the chief financial officer for Governor Kemp. Okay. So anyway, so I sent an email thinking it's going into the abyss, but I feel so much better having vented. (laughs) Well, the next day I get an email from somebody named Greg Dozier who says, not only is that a good idea, we have some ideas from you, and I'm going to have this guy named Stan Cooper contact you about this. And I said, okay, somebody will contact me. And people say state government doesn't work. (laughs) Within 24 hours, Stan Cooper not only contacts me, he shows up in my office in Augusta. And Did says, that kind of freak you out? Well, it was just like, <laughs> I, I, I was serious. To see you, <laughs> Department of Corrections. Yeah, it's, it's not the same as the investigator for the uh, JQC, but it's pretty That's close. Right. That's right. So anyway, so we talked, and not only did we start talking about a design for how that phone system might work, but we also started talking about something that that was in, in their mind was using some video hearings. And unfortunately, there had been a tragedy that sort of precipitated my reaching out at first, and that was the death of a, a of two individuals who were uh, prison guards on a transport, for, probably right. for CPOs, mm-hmm. and it seemed to be illogical in 2000. I guess we started in 18. 
We, we did. It was actually we we met late 2017 and uh, actually began in uh, January 2018 with a teleconferencing piece. So it was pretty quick. It was it was a very short period of time. So anyway, so what we have begun doing, we created a pilot project in Augusta, and we have hearings with people who are in the DOC by video, and the. Things that we, the thing that we have spent the most time on has been arraignment Correct. because, because just like we talked about in our other podcast episode about how long it takes to get an inmate from a facility to say Cobb County or Augusta or whatever, that for an arraignment that the person's in front of you for, I don't know, two minutes, maybe. Right. And so it seemed to be illogical and we began there and we worked on, and, and it was a, definitely a collaborative effort, right. but Tane, it was the first thing I have ever done in my career where the DA was happy, the public defender was happy, the clerk was happy, oh my. the sheriff was happy. Oh, my. It was. Did you document that? <laughs> I mean, it, it really was amazing. As I went around the table, I sort of said, tell me why this can't work. And they all said, no, this could work. This would be great. Mm-hmm. This would be great. This would be great. And repeated, repeated, repeated. Well, the truth is. Everybody actually benefits. Everybody you're talking about at that table gets a benefit from what what you're doing. And we've even talked about the inmates. And, you know, because some people were worried, well, the inmates wanted to get a ride home to see mama and them. And I'm using air quotes there in case you couldn't see it. And so, uh, because this is a podcast thing. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to change some things. Okay, go ahead. Um, But anyway, so the... The, even the inmates like it because right. they were losing their spot in a program. They were losing their stuff. They were having to go back through Jackson if they didn't go come back in time. They were having to go through a lot that they didn't want to go through either. Right. And so it became a, a Wait, you actually thing. even made the inmate happy potentially? How about not mad? You're a people pleaser, right? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so let's talk for a little bit, Stan, and, okay. and thanks again for being with us, and, and thanks to uh, everybody at the DOC for all their work on this. But let's okay. talk a little bit about the number of CPOs, and again, we're going to call those court production orders. I know everybody calls them something different, but let's talk a little bit about the number of CPOs. Okay. Um to t- go back historically a little bit, when we first started talking about this, one of the things we came back from, is, is if you remember, is we wanted to know really how big an issue this was. And so we looked at the numbers for 2017 in December of that year. And during 2017, there was over 17,000 court production orders issued that was processed through DOC that year. Wow. That number the next year in 2018 actually jumped up to over 18,000. Now, to put that in perspective, you know, you got you realize that 18,000, that's that's going to and from court. So that's over 36,000 transports when you put the put it out there. That's to and from. And so and many of them may be the same inmates, but it's still a transport. So, so it was a huge impact. The other thing that we looked at based on, uh, you know, what we looked at with the data was what type of hearings they were going back for. And so we realized, as you did, that probably 40% of those were things that we could do video hearings on under the uniform rules. 
So, Tane, I know that Cobb County has just started the process. I yes. think y'all have gotten online and ready to go. We're yeah, we're up and running with our with our telephone line, and we I will be holding my first series of video hearings um, in the next two weeks. I believe is when those are set up. Okay, good. And if anybody needs it, we have a script that I have developed, and yours may need to change because you use different words in your circuit. But I, I have bigger, developed. We use. I use a lot bigger words than you probably Wade, would Wade use, does. and you would use alliteration. <laughs> and right, I try to put some style into it. Wade. <laughs> some Latin. Yeah. Anyway, so the we have felt locally a um, huge benefit in that we are able to move cases along and instead of them log jamming at arraignment and sending the sheriff's office to go and fetch people where we have a number of people that right. need to come or go from the DOC. Um, now, Uniform Superior Court Rule 9.2 is where we, you and I were talking about this when, when I first started and then you have now ultimately, your circuit has started using the program. 9.2 allows you to have certain hearings by video. Correct. There is a list, and that list is pretty exhaustive. It can be read expansively or narrow. Mm -hmm. There are some cases that say that you have some confrontation rights that have to be acknowledged, and, and uh, our friend friend of the podcast, what is it, FOPC? Yeah, FOPC. Friend of the podcast, McBurney, uh, sent me a case. Chief called, Judge Robert McBurney of I'm the sorry. Atlanta Judicial Circuit. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he uh, contacted That's me. That's actually part of his rider in his contract is that we must <laughs> use the entire title anytime we mention Chief Judge Robert McBurney of the Atlanta Judicial <laughs> Circuit. So he, um, he sent me a case called Yates out of the 11th Circuit that basically said you have a confrontation rights. But as we know, confrontation rights really only apply to where guilt or innocence is being decided. And that doesn't apply to a motion for new trial. That doesn't apply to an arraignment. That doesn't apply to... Uh, Most of the hearings that we'd be conducting of people who are already incarcerated. Things short of a trial. Right. right. So anyway, so we are we are working to make this even more robust. I think there there has been a conversation among uh, the courts and the DOC to pops, possibly even look at the um, possibility, not mm -hmm. probability, possibility of talking to the legislature about making some of this statutory instead of merely a uniform rule. Right. right. And Stan and I are going to talk some more about yeah. that. So. What we do, and, and, you, and I know y'all are relatively new in this, but what we do from a judge's perspective is that we send a we, – we identify an inmate that needs to be arraigned as being in the DOC. Right. We send to what I have always called the quarterback, and I know that that person has probably a different title, the offender services. Offender administration. Admi offender it. administration. We send them a copy of the indictment and what we call a plea sheet. That person determines where in the system the inmate is and then forwards the, the appropriate paperwork to the facility. That's correct. And then the on the date and time we have all this scheduled, Tane, have you ever participated in like a go-to-meeting meeting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a video meeting? Yeah. Where, where all kind of people join and only certain people talk. And, right. Well, this system that they have developed does exactly that. The right. beautiful thing about the system is it secure from this from the prison standpoint, right? Yeah, that was a big that's issue. Correct. But it's also records. So for those circuits that are experiencing problems with court reporters, 
there is a video. This is what happened. This isn't somebody's take on what happened mm-hmm. or inaudible or whatever. If it was inaudible, it, it's, it, it, it was always inaudible. Right. But there is a tape that you simply hit the button and it records the meeting, and I'm using air quotes again, and all of the prisons. You get, realize that when you use air quotes, the listeners can't see that, right? Yeah, but it's just like when you use the flip chart. Okay. They can't see that either. <laughs> okay. We should take phone calls. Go ahead, Wade. <laughs> so anyway, so um, the the they stage the inmates there. We have a conversation with them. We put them on the, on the screen one after the another. And, Tane, you're not going to believe this. What's that? There's actually a whole YouTube of an actual session. It... I, shockingly it is not in the trending youtube videos that is amazing because i think it would rocket to the top of <laughs> it's kind of like our podcast spotify and <laughs> soundcloud and youtube and all of those things let's also remind our listeners that we will uh, put the link to that youtube video on our website at goodjudgepod.com should i sign anything do i need to do like schedule assigning you think uh, yeah, I think I think probably that'd be that'd certainly be in order. So anyway, if anybody ever wanted to see one, there is one. Yeah, and, and it's actually very good, Wade, because from a mechanical standpoint, one of the things is you know it was just hard to visualize. Okay, right. how does this happen? You've got one person person remotely, you've got people in the courtroom, you've got other people. So yeah, it really helps. So Stan, let's talk for a minute from the DOC standpoint because we've got you tied up here, right. and we and I've done all the talking. We've talked about CPOs in a given year. I'm imagining they don't trend down. No. I mean, they continue to get that's there's right. more and more. And for it, for you to do a CPO, that's a one-way trip, and you've got to do two. That's right. And that's why you talked earlier about 18,000 actually being something north of 36. Right. So is there any way to estimate the cost of a CPO? Well, you know, what we do, um, you know, is look at, number one, the amount of miles, uh, mileage involved in that. And we and then also we look at uh, the hours spent by our staff um, in that transport, what it takes, because uh, we, we usually send at least two officers on a transport. And we always do at least two. Uh, and based on the risk level, it could actually be six to ten based on that and so all those factors come into play on, on every transport so you don't have a number that you use I mean, but the miles are fairly easy to calculate i mean you could get, because from that prison to what did you call it the catch facility the catchment facility for that for that circuit for that circuit it, mm-hmm. it is what it is yeah and, and back and and i'll give you a, an example and i'll use uh judge kell's circuit uh in cobb uh, last year uh they did 515 um court production orders well in their catchment of course their, their location is georgia diagnostics classification prison when you look at the number of miles from, this is just from the sheriff to go get those individuals for that amount of court production orders. That was over 72,000 transport miles. So that's what it's costing the county just in the mileage, not in the time for deputies, not in the uh, time fuel. away from other things. Yeah, not the fuel, not all of those other factors that go into it. That's correct. And the other hidden cost there is just the potential for something to happen. Right. And I don't necessarily mean criminal activity. Right. It could be a traffic accident. Right. It could be a blown tire or whatever right there's just all kind of perils that just evaporate when you do these things by video well i don't know wade atlanta traffic is pretty simple to 
you know, make your way through. So coming from the north side of Atlanta where we are down to Jackson is usually a piece of cake. Jackson is yes. in Forsyth County? Actually, it's in Butts County. Butts County. In Butts County, Butts right County. in the same area. So, yeah, that, that should be no problem. It's a piece of cake. The, the other thing you can't put a price on is, is safety. Uh, for staff and inmates too, mm-hmm. uh, and so this is another way of doing uh, doing that. Stan, we at, in the Augusta Circuit, we did sort of a brief presentation, and we we actually looked at the impact from public defenders and other lawyers not traveling to facilities, from the number of CPOs that were not issued. Right. Do you have any sort of preliminary numbers? I guess we've been at it about a year, right? Yeah, well, actually, we you you actually did conducted the first two hearings on December the sixth um, last year, almost exactly yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that since that time, out of your out of the Augusta circuit, there's been 125 video hearings uh, completed, um, and through that, there was over 58,000 transport miles averted by those 125. Way to go, Wade. You know, and, and, I, and I mean this with all sincerity, there's a team of people on right. both sides yeah. now Absolutely. that after we had all these meetings and we decided how we were going to do this, that, and the other, that they implemented it and have made it work. And um, people who were at the table who really made this happen, at least in Augusta, was, were the, the clerks of court, Hattie Sullivan, Cindy Mason, and Redita Smith, the public defender, Kate Mason, the DA, Natalie Payne, and then the three sheriffs, Sheriff Roundtree, Sheriff Whittle, and Sheriff Williams. And they were all committed to the program, and, and they realized how valuable it could be. And ultimately, we were able to start that, that pilot project in Augusta. But it has been an honor to have those people. And they've gotten excited about it on both sides. They, they realize the, the, the potentiality, I guess, of this project and what it can mean for everybody. Well, and I'll say, coming from a circuit that's – newly on board with this your people have been amazing to work with they've been easy to work with i mean you know they they took the ball and ran with it when we said we were uh, wanting to do it and they showed us how to do it and put everything in you know help us put everything in place we needed you're welcome (laughs) yeah thanks Um, why don't we talk a little bit about how many circuits have it how many circuits are in the process of getting it and what someone might want to do if they want to if they want to do it. Okay, perfect. Uh, actually, we you know uh, we ran the pilot up until June 30th of this year uh, with you, and uh, it was very successful. So we made a decision at that point in time we would roll out statewide beginning July 1st. And, and since that time, uh, there has been eight circuits be- between July 1st and now that have come on board, have purchased equipment or had equipment that was compatible with our equipment. Uh, that they are now conducting video hearings or in the process. For instance, uh, Judge McBurney got his equipment this wait, week. Wait, wait, wait. What's the chief, chief Judge, Judge McBurney? Robert McBurney of the Atlanta Judicial Circuit. I have to read that he, off the card every he time. He actually received his this week and was installed on Wednesday. Uh, and so uh, we're excited about that. So there's eight circuits currently uh, has the equipment or operating with those. Now, with that being said, uh, the Ninth Circuit, actually, which is the Darty Circuit with Judge uh, Lockett, will actually receive his equipment on January the 3rd and be installed. And so uh, we're excited about that. Now, now uh, every week, uh, the word is really getting out, and we're so excited about that. Uh, just this week alone, uh, we have visited two circuits 
um, to do presentations. Actually, yesterday afternoon, the Blue Ridge Circuit uh, up in Cherokee County, uh, we met with them, did a presentation, and basically, um, you know, they're they're excited about the opportunity. Wade, Wade just happened to mention it during our presentation to the 11 new judges we just trained, and we ended up having to take about a 30-minute detour and tell them about right. the program and how they got involved. And we, we gave them all your number, well, too, Stan. And, so. and, and, and I'll, I'm <laughs> going to share something with you. That was great because guess what? I started getting phone calls. I started getting text messages, which is a positive Imagine thing. Imagine that. So, uh, it's funny how this works. Yeah, and so we, we have gotten a uh, great response. Uh, we're, we would, our, our goal is we'd love to be in every judicial circuit in the state. Well, that's a good segue. Tell us a little bit about what a, a circuit needs to do if they're not in the program yet, they haven't gotten started. What do they need to do to get started? One is contact us. I mean, uh, you know, what we have found works best in the circuits have found works best is uh, y'all reach, the, the judge reaches out to us. We let them schedule a meeting. Uh, usually what we have found is they will involve uh, of course, the DA's office, public defender's office, clerks of court, their IT folks, the whole sheriff, so, yeah. yeah, so and other judges is yeah. there. Yeah. And so we go in and we actually do a presentation. We also run their numbers, and what I mean, the number of court production orders they had, plus the amount of mileage that they put out as far as the sheriff's office going to and from these facilities to pick them up as well. And we have discussion. We also provide them with the the um, information concerning uh, the company that that uh, we work with on this this uh, project and 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 with their contact info as well I'm gonna put you on the spot who specifically should they contact with DOC uh, and and if you've got it let's give out the number uh, to folks because I know there'll be some people listening who say I want to get on this train right now they can contact me uh, my my cell phone number is 404 290 4025 or Christina Lunabach who is our uh, as you you both know is our manager of the unit that is handling this and her cell phone number is uh, 478 258 9514 Wade and I both have you have you both on speed dial so uh we we were i was going to give that number even if you didn't Sam. and christina's always said you're her favorite so there's that yeah she, i know she, she she goes between you two i'm just going to tell you <laughs> not never mind yeah. um so one more thing all one of our judges ask if there is one of these units at every prison that's correct yes and uh, and, and i want to give uh commissioner ward uh, the dues here. Um, as you know, we, we presented to the judges con uh, conference in January here in Athens and, and, um, it was well received and he made an announcement. The pilot with you had been so successful. We just felt like that, you know, we, 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 we knew this was the future and, uh, commissioner ward committed that at that time, if you recall, we only had two units and two prisons and we were still moving inmates around to, for the pilot, of course, it worked so well, we, we then he committed the funds to purchase uh, units for all state prisons. So all 34 state prisons now have the capabilities of doing uh, video hearings. And so, uh, you, you know, really appreciate Commissioner Ward uh, doing that. I mean, um, you know, and he, he's, he's really excited about this. You know, last time we did video hearings, there was, I don't know how many facilities, let's say 10, but there were 11 
people on that side. There were 11 connections on that side. And I kept waiting. I was working through, and I kept looking at my calendar going, wait a minute, I've got more people involved than I have on my calendar. And finally, when the last hearing was done, I sort of looked around and said, that's all I had. Is there anybody else online? And up popped the commissioner. He had been watching the right. entire event. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's and, great. And he was very supportive. Right. And um, we're now we've evolved to where we're using essentially the signatures are electronic because we are in the age of e-filing. Right. right. We had been sending them paper. They sent us back paper with ink on it, and right. then we scanned it and e-filed it. They are now to the point where they can send us via email. We can send them via email. They can send us via email. We don't have to go through the, the wasteful step of making something electronic into paper then making that paper back into electronic. Right. And I noticed on the on the YouTube video when I watched it, Wade, yeah, they just handed the inmate an electronic signature pad, and yep. he signed his name with his finger, and uh, the, you know that document was immediately sent back. And we've actually improved that. That's because great. now everybody has a stylus right. they're going to be able to use because the finger, you know, you yeah. sign your finger signature doesn't look good. Yeah. So, so let uh, me ask, let me say one other okay. thing, and I know there, I know you had a, a question for Stan, but I, actually, it's really more a comment. We got involved in this process, and of course, the first question from most everybody was, "How much is this going to cost on our end?" And mm-hmm. I, I was amazed that the technology was at least from my standpoint, relatively inexpensive and self-contained. And it cost us in in Cobb County, uh, we had some existing equipment we were able to use. But totally speaking, uh, even if we hadn't had that equipment, it's about $11,000, I think, to set it up on the county's end. And uh, our sheriff is so interested in that now that they are talking about using some forfeiture money to get some more units that we might be able to use from the jail uh, over to the courthouse actually that's a, a great point um we've we've right now we have uh two sheriffs who have purchased their own equipment uh sheriff sisk up in catoosa county and sheriff markley over in morgan county mm-hmm. they're because they have begun having jail arraignments uh, from the jail versus taking them to the 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 uh, courthouse, which has greatly improved security there as well. Yes, sir. Um, I do want to uh, again coming back uh, to talk about what we've done. We we the commissioner uh, when we started this process, he was he was he wanted to make sure we could sustain what we began and that's that's that was very important to us all so one of the things he recognized right off the bat and we all talked about was the need to build a unit that if all 159 counties elected to do this we could sustain that and we could handle that and so we've gone to great extent he uh, as you two know have has uh, developed a new unit at our offender administration unit which is uh, where all the court production orders as you mentioned go through uh, and we have now got um, a, a court team if you will uh, that is responsible for assisting you all and and managing this and also scheduling uh, this. And uh, Christina Lunabach is, is, uh, was selected uh, as our manager of that unit. We have regional coordinators for each, uh, for each area of the state. And that has been a big, big plus for us. And uh, so you, you all know all of them very well, of course. And, uh, and we, 
this is not something we wanted to start and not be able to sustain over time. And so we're excited about that. And, uh, and, and when hearings and when someone new comes on, uh, we're there with them. We just not get, you just not getting the equipment. We don't show back up. We're there with you. It has been a remarkably, uh, positive experience. Unfortunately, with the size of Georgia government, um, there are certain bureaucracies that don't seem to get stuff done. They seem to have a lot of ideas, but implementation becomes a problem. And when budgets get involved, it becomes a problem. And I remember when we first began and, and some of the folks who were intimately involved in the beginning, including the folks there in Augusta, the district attorney, Miss Natalie Payne and the, uh, the Hattie, the clerk of court, and um, you know everybody at our public defender's office. It's just been Miss Mason at the public defender's office. It's been a it's been a blessing, and it has taken the lid off of we can't do it. It takes a lot of work. We don't know how to do it. It's not the way we used to do it. Mm-hmm. The, there's still some of that, right. but but it it had it has taken some of that out of the way. So, folks, we're going to commend. We're going to wrap this up, and we're going to commend to you Uniform Superior Court Rule Nine Point Two. If you're interested in this, it'll give you a specific list. And where can they find that, Wade? Well, at GoodJudgePod.com, of course. Folks, thanks, Stan, thanks for coming to Athens on this rainy day. We appreciate it. Folks, I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. Thank you, folks, for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, the executive director of ICJE. Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law and specifically Jim Henneberger uh, for their technical assistance and providing the studio for us. Thanks, as always, to Stephen Turner and Turner Up Media, who does his best to get as much of our stupidity as he can. But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to CSCJ, the Council of Superior Court Judges, for allowing us to handle NJO and their support in this project. Folks, these are our own opinions. They represent the opinions of Wade Padgett and Tane Kell and do not reflect the opinions of the Council of Superior Court Judges, UGA College of Law, ICJE, or really anybody else for that matter. You can contact us on our website at goodjudgepod.com or you can contact us on email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Folks, please rate and review our podcast on whatever listening app you may be using. It'll go a long way to help others find the podcast. So, Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this one. Anything else you feel like we need to say? No, that's all, Wade. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.